We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we are looking at the Firefly episode, Janestown. The crew of the Serenity arrive on Canton, where they're about to pick up some illicit merchandise. Canton exports mud for high-tech ceramic production, and costs are kept low by the use of indentured servitude and low regard for the conditions of the workers, who are known as mudders. Jane is nervous and adopts a disguise because four years earlier, he was involved in a robbery gone wrong against the local magistrate. All are amazed to learn that his botched robbery was a windfall for the mutters, and now they have turned him into a local Robin Hood-type hero, believing that he stole the money and gave it to the mutters. They have even erected a statue of him in town square. Mal concocts a plan to use Jane's fame to distract the town while they move the merchandise to the ship. Not everyone is happy with Jane's return, including the local magistrate, who does not appreciate Jane stealing his money, and Jane's former partner, who he betrayed, and has been imprisoned by the magistrate in a hot box for the past four years. Inara, meanwhile, has a client, the local magistrate, or more specifically, his son. The magistrate wants to make a man out of his boy and has hired Inara to end his virginity. Inara is sympathetic and teaches him how to be a man. In front of the entire town, Jane and his former partner have a confrontation. The latter spells out to everyone what Jane really did four years ago and prepares to kill him. A mutter saves Jane's life at the cost of his own, and Jane dispatches his former partner. He tears down the statue of him erected in the town square. Unbeknownst to the crew, the Serenity was locked down by the Port Authority, so they could not get away. But behind the scenes, Inara arranged for the lockdown to be lifted. Okay, Janestown. Boy, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about in this one. Just out of guess. Um, shall we, shall we get the Inara plotline out of the way first? Okay, let's go for it. All right. Um, so I'm going to just bring this one out first. You're not a man because you've had sex. You're not a man until a woman has manipulated into doing something that you probably shouldn't do. That's the lesson I got out of this, right? I mean, you mean I, su you I suppose you're supposed to stand up for yourself. That's what makes you a man. But really... Basically, Inara manipulated him into standing up for himself, which is, which is not right. <laughs> that is that is not being a man. That is being a dupe. So, in, in the case of the son, my thoughts. I mean that 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 is what that is what crossed me immediately when I thought it's like, oh come on. But then this show, you know, the, the sort of morally ambiguous show. So, kind of. Yeah. But do you think he did the wrong thing? Or do you think she manipulated him into doing the right thing? Oh, if you're manipulated into being doing the right thing, is that any better? <laughs> I mean, maybe a little thing. bit better, but a little because, bit better perhaps, because it's a reading on it's a reading on it. If if she you think his manipulates him into doing it, it has to be against his. It has to be manipulation would be against his will, right? It would be against his better judgment. But if she's making him realize his better judgment, mm. is that really manipulation? I don't know. I'm. I didn't it's read poor. it as manipulation at all. Hmm. I mean, I don't think it's in his best interests. Let's put it that way. Unless he's planning on deposing his father, uh, 
I, I, I don't, you know, the last time we saw something like this happen in, in this universe, uh, Simon and his sister ended up stuck on a ship on the run from the feds. Um, you, you, you do what dad says and you, you tow the line and, and life's good, right? But well, but if you, do, if you do what dad says and you tow the line and your sister gets experimented on. And here, would you say he was better off if he retained his father's fa- favour, but he knew that a number of murders were being violently quelled and might die? Yeah, or he could end up in that hot box for four years. I mean, if he does, he does, you know, he stays curious with his dad's favour and his dad he, hires he him hot sex up. women. The guy has privilege and you're arguing he shouldn't use that privilege for people who don't have it. I'm not necessarily arguing that he did that, but I'm saying he wouldn't have done it of his own. I don't think he would have done it of his own free will or his own, he didn't his have, own volition. He didn't have the confidence to do it beforehand. And his encounter with Inara gave him the confidence to do it. I, mm. that, mm. that, that's the intention, isn't it? Right. And I'm, I, I don't think know. So. I think so. But, uh, it's, it's certainly, it's certainly bigged up by the, sex therapist who regards Inara's <laughs> teacher, healer, and wise woman as well. Yes, that is, sure. that, is, that is problematic with this, um, with this character of Inara because she is kind of portrayed as more than just what we would consider a prostitute or a call girl, even a high-end call girl. Well, maybe. But, but we have, I mean, we've discussed the fact that she is more than that. The... Um, Joy yeah. Davidson, the sex therapist who, who wrote this essay about her, is saying, I mean, we, we talked about geishas, but she's saying a courtesan of the Yoshiwara, and since I know nothing about Japanese culture, I'm going to assume that that is more accurate. Mm. So there is a sense in which she is a very accomplished individual and, and very highly trained. And Joy Davidson is a, is a psychologist and... It makes sense that what she's seeing in what Inara does is rooted in some psychology training. And therefore, when she is part, she's providing a service to Fess. And, mm-hmm. pa- and, pa- and part of that is not purely physical. Okay. Otherwise, <clears throat> she is just a cool girl, right? Is, is the training that she is given is the ultimate end for the betterment of of the client. So here's the difference between a psychiatrist or a therapist and a call girl. The call girl's job is sure it's to make the guy feel good because and I don't just mean that in a physical way, I mean that in in an emotional way because it's repeat business and that's profitable. So there is this this profit motive and we could argue that it's solely a profit motive and that the skills that go along with the trappings the the ceremonies all of that is part of a show to entertain the client and not necessarily make them a better human being but there's kind of the implication here that what anara does is also trying to make this guy a better human being and i don't know do you take a hippocratic oath when you become a a a companion in this universe that you know you're going to be doing good in the world, well, or it certainly, it it certainly for... wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of oath, because we're aware that there is some kind of academy, and so if these institutions exist, then yes, it would seem to be entirely consistent. 
with that. I would like to know more about this particular historical aspect of this this universe because we do have those lines and I can't tell whether she's lying or not and that's part of that's part of the problem uh kicking the dad out because this is a consecrated space is that a convenience to kick him out because he's being obnoxious or is that legit you know is her training in all these fantastic arts or is it in these fantastic arts and also how to say the right thing to get a person out of the room or get them in bed or get them whatever it is at the time or both and and also well I, but the... it but it is but it is both she i mean obviously she does have the skills to do that because it would be it would be difficult for him it, it would be difficult for her to get him out of the room if he decided to resist so she's skillfully kicking him out but it also seems like it's it is a, it is a space which I'm, I'm not quite sure what the right term for it but it is it is somehow protected it is somehow because she says the same thing about about mal entering it's the space where she works and mm. <laughs> without yeah putting, no I, I, it, this isn't I, this isn't exactly where i expected this discussion would go but without <laughs> getting kind of overly um uh, sanctimonious about what is a base prostitution what is being portrayed is something where um the space is an important part of it you it know she doesn't feels... she doesn't just go to a hotel room or whatever and 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 therefore violating that space does feel like an intrusion it feels like a tea ceremony i mean well, not just because ceremony. there's tea well but not no i mean the tea ceremony the 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 japanese tea oh, ceremony right. the 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 whole you know low doors come through bow down she, not that she's doing this but i mean there's a there's a whole there's a space designed for the tea ceremony and there are rituals that you must perform and and it it, it very much has yeah. that feel to it and it and uh, it is ritualized so you know instead of okay now you know we I pour the tea for your cup and you do this it's like now we jump each other but uh, but the same basic same basic principle. So it, it does feel that way, and I would say that if anybody was, I'm I'm not a, I'm not aware of it being that courtesanship being that ritualized in 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 Japanese here. But uh, oddly enough, I have not made a study of that. Um, there there is. I mean, the thing that I've got uh, I've got noted down is is that I think there is an element, even though, even though what Inara says is that having sex is not what makes him a man. There is an ele- there is an element to the whole process which is about a rite of passage, and because because there is a ritual in this, it is it is a form of rite of passage. I think I think. I mean the note the note I've got is actually about the the contrast here in attitudes towards sex because that that what Fest believes is that sex is part of a rite of passage and sex is certainly part of something which i think is portrayed as a as a rite of passage in this episode but elsewhere in the episode we've got a contrast then with what simon's attitude mm-hmm. is because he he has that scene where he finds a new way of of putting his foot in it with kaylee saying i would never not with kaylee <laughs> and and it's it's like his his attitude is he he considers him he considers what he's trying to say there is being respectful right and it's and it's so for him sex is almost like this the this thing of um 
there's a, there's an element of propriety around uh, around it. It's almost like worshiping at the altar of Kaylee. Mm. Um, okay. Whereas Kaylee Kaylee's attitude is definitely much looser, um, because for her it's about fun and affection. Right. Okay. So we'll talk them in just one thing. I'm just going to ask this one question. Do you think on Inara's um, web page or or you know? Or MySpace page, or whatever it is that, that they use. <laughs> yeah, because MySpace will be there in 500 years. <laughs> Remind me to mention the phone. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that whether she has like uh, special rates, you know, there's, there's like, first off, there's like days, but is there a special package that you get for son's virginity passing? I can, I can kind of see that. You know, I by you say, well, it is a rite of passage. So, okay, we've got the virginity she, package here. She this, knows what she's been hired for. Right. I mean, either she's already had a conversation with well, she must have. about what he specifically wants, or, you know, well, like she you said say, she wouldn't have been her father. Yeah. 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 Well, we so, know, and we know, we know she has a conversation with her clients uh, beforehand. So, which yeah. I guess may have been a conversation with, with Fess, but it's Higgins paying the bill. Right. Okay. So then Simon and Kaylee. Um, is, um, so they're getting a little bit drunk and just a little bit, both of them. And Mal's like, well, we better get back to ship. And Kaylee's like, not now. I'm, I'm, I think I'm going to get him drunk enough to sleep with him. Is it more important out there to be proper or less in the black, in the, in the black, in the, out in the black, as Kaylee says at the end, out here in the black or in the dark, is it the black? Oh, or the I see. Dark? I see. Is it the black or the dark? I think it's the black. Uh. Anyway. <clears throat> So she's she's making that point, you know. It, it these things civilization. All right, let's. I'm I'm very reductive distance here. Doesn't matter out here. The proprieties, the niceties. It doesn't matter when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Just like the law doesn't matter, right? You're it's at the, the black. fringe. It is the black. Yeah. <clears throat> and and for Simon, the answer is no. It's more important. Yes. That we that we bring that we don't let it change us. That we bring with us who we are. Uh, to I, I can see the I can see the argument to both sides of that. You know, sometimes you have a, a preconceived notion, and we can we can say this is true about many of the things that we have been raised with with regards to society. Just you know, this just this is the way it does. And if you sit and think about them for a while, things that exist right now, you realize they're kind of stupid. They don't make sense in context of of real life, right? I mean, isn't that so much of what we do out of habit and out of out of just the cultural milieu that we're raised in is but it's is, not is ritual is it yes but rituals all have a all have an origin okay oh, oh there's right, a purpose I'll, behind them I'll, I'll give the perfect one here well I think it's the perfect one um, well no there's a, there's going to be a failure to this because it doesn't because it's never worked uh, no sex before marriage right I mean that's that's basically what they're kind of talking about. In this sequence, it's yeah, never been true. It's it's never been true because ha- in in the history of mankind, yes, it may be what you're supposed to do, but it's never been a thing that I, has prevailed. I, no, I think I think you're wrong. I th- I think I know people who I'm pretty sure haven't had sex before they got married. Oh, I'm not saying it never happens. No, no, you no, just no, did no. say it never. No, was no, true. no. I've no, I've said that. No, it's never universally true. Correct. Even when it's supposed to be. Even when it's the lip service that people pay. 
even even when during the Victorian times, when you're supposed to be prim and proper and and all of these things that are the the front that everyone puts on, it was not yeah. what yeah. they were doing. Oh yeah, behind the the curtains. So there are, and as time has gone on from then to say now, the the sexual revolution, as it were, has come uh, come and and we have realized that these prohibitions don't really have a very good reason behind them right it is it is the breaking down of a of a cultural uh, so <clears throat> you can extract that further and say if we launched people into deep space where they're not having to operate in in that clique of people uh, and and the reality of the world you live in you have to change and adapt you have to you have to look at those conventions that you have been supposedly paying lip service to and or performing diligently, whichever group you're in, <clears throat> and and ask whether they make sense and and maybe they no longer do. And that's Kaylee's point. Out here, it doesn't matter. And but Simon is stuck on if I'm not who I was raised to be, if I'm not what I believe in the values that I was given, then. I'm not respecting you. I'm not respecting myself. I'm not. I'm not me. <clears throat> it's a different person. It's a. It's a. Well, it. Well, it. But. But it's not like. It's not like these things don't actually have a purpose within Simon's moral framework and his outlook. And at the end, there, she's actually asking him about why he didn't fight back more. Not that it seemed a particularly good idea to me to fight back more. But on the other hand, it wasn't looking good for him either way. But. If if you're talking if you're talking about not just sex but things like harming other people, you know those, those elements of one's moral code, there is an importance to those things. You know, there, there's a, there is a there is a, there is a purpose towards there is there is a purpose to, to saying you shouldn't just beat someone up and take their money away. There's a moral reason for that, or not just a moral reason that. There is a sense in which, if you if you didn't have some of these codes, and I I can't, I'm not trying to argue for Victorian moral codes or whatever, but it's well, this yeah. this kind of Hobbesian idea that if you don't have any rules about anything, then life will be nasty, brutish, and short. And, and I don't know. I mean, he's he's obviously asking for he's arguing for them to be enforced, and our outlaws are really beyond that. So the question becomes, what moral codes? do you hang on to as an individual and simon has his codes in much the same way i think that mal we've talked we've talked about what his codes are because he's a much um less proper person shall we mm-hmm. say and yet when it comes down to it there are circumstances where he has been shown to do the right thing and it's interesting to know why he why he does that and the whole episode is about jane who is the kind of archetypal um, in it in it for himself? If he'll break any rule, if mm-hmm. there's advantage for him in it, and yet it's almost like he does hit a rock bottom with that. There's a point where he finds that difficult to live with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So every everyone has everyone has their code. Now, in terms of in terms of things changing, I kind of think Simon is changing a bit. That maybe he's relaxing, maybe he's loosening up. Well, I think he'd have to. Well, he certainly started out pretty uptight. So yeah, now he's I mean, just in, he's just hugely uptight they, instead of being monumentally I, uptight. I'm amazed that they have managed to hire a guy whose jaw looks so uptight. 
There's something about, you know, I don't know if that's part of his acting, the way he holds his jaw, or whether that's just his physical, the jaw that he was just born with, but it looks so uptight. Yeah. You look at that jaw and you're just like, that guy, yeah, yeah, um, uptight, definitely, definitely has the look. Yeah, I, I mean, I would hope that we would see some, if not loosening up of the character, then at least, um, well, it's a loosening up of the character one way or the other you know, comfort around the crew. Um, obviously, Mal's making that somewhat difficult, but um, th- there is... But but it seems to me that Simon is finding... He's more he's qu- he's getting quicker at finding ways to respond to that, at yeah. the very least. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think he has, in many ways, more room to grow out than, than some of the other characters do. I mean, I don't, I don't see Kaylee having a lot of room to go anywhere. And that's not even because she's basically perfect already. <laughs> she's basically right where she wants to be. Yeah, yeah, right? that's certainly fair. Right. Obviously, Simon does not believe that. Um, okay, so then we've got that. <clears throat> I um, then there's then there's the um, oh let's let's just let's just bring up the lines. Let's see if I can find them real quick. Um, I know it's written down here word for word. What are you looking for? Um, What Inara said to uh, the boy about... About Mal. About Mal. That's weird. It is written down here, but I'm not seeing it. I had it. I had all the points. Idiotic moral code. Uh, Idiotic nobility. That was it. Idiotic sense of nobility. Never lets things go. Thinks he's a hard-hearted criminal. Um, I, what did you make of that scene? Obviously, the, the boy's talking about well, Jane and, and, and Inara's uh, talking about, about Mal. <clears throat> um, just more fodder for she loves him. Well, that, that's part of it. But the, I mean, the other part of it is if you just tuned in at that point, you would think they were talking about Mal. I mean, I, when we talked, I think it was in when we were watching The Train Job and I had this kind of revelation that actually... I thought Mal was like Robin Hood, which hadn't occurred to me before. And I'd forgotten how much in this episode Jane is actually like Robin Hood, although obviously he's not Robin Hood. But the hero of Canton is like Robin Hood riding through the Glen. It's, it's you know... It, well, that was Dennis he, Moore. De- well... Doesn't <laughs> Dennis Moore us, ride through is, the Glen yet? It is for us Python fans. Yeah, I'm sick of Lupins. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm sure there's a, there's a line... In the hero of Canton. Um, oh, the song, yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, yeah, yeah so, something, something. I can't flip. Well, it in. says he stole from the rich and get. Yeah, stole is that? St- it, st- st- oh, steals from the rich. Yeah, I can't read the. It's written in handwriting in this script book. He steals from the rich and gives to the poor, which is yeah, Dennis Moore, Dennis Moore. Um, clearly, the whole thing is is Robin Hood. So so, and obviously, part of the gag is you do the Robin Hood thing. You put. Jane in that role because he is the least Robin Hood person on Serenity, mm-hmm. and so it's almost it's almost obligatory to have that scene where Fess is talking about him and Inara doesn't realise so that she can she can think that it is Mal because obviously that is what we would all think if we didn't know. I have but, this, yeah. I have this. Uh, feeling. No, I was just going to say you're right. It, it, you know, part of it is that it shows that Inara thinks the best of Mal. It, it, I would make an argument in this episode that that the writer, and I don't know, is this a Joss Whedon 
episode. No, it's written yeah. by a guy called Ben Edlund, who there are is known for something called The Tick, which I believe oh. is some kind of comic book. Oh my but gosh! I've never heard of it. Okay, that is a uh, that's a weird one. Okay, that's a weirdy. All right, I feel like this episode. Huh. Okay. Oh, that. Now that you mention that, the tick is a the tick is a satire, and it's a send up of superheroes. Okay. And the tick is the dumbest of the bunch. Um. Oh. Okay. And there's some very clever writing in the tick. Um. Yeah. I, I can I I'll tell you what I felt like when I was watching this episode. I felt like the writer was trying to be too clever by half. Um, there are there are too many instances where we are being presented with that sort of the reality and the person are not the perception and the perception and, and what's behind it are have to be two different things. So Jane is that way. The Bible is that way. You could argue Jesus in the Bible is that way. Um, Mal, so you know, is is Inara's assessment of him correct, or is she romanticizing him? Is um, well, the, I think I mean, we might even make a case about, about Simon in in that. Um, in what sense? I, I'm I'm struggling for it, but I, you know, it's one of those ones where I feel like somebody's trying to tell me something. Um, you mean from uh, the way Simon is written in this? Yes, from the the, the events. Like, so, for example, when, uh, as you say, Kaylee um, Kaylee kind of chastises him for not fighting back more. I didn't see any opportunity. Kaylee wasn't there. She didn't see the fight. I saw no opportunity for him to fight back any more than he did. Right? I mean, that's well didn't happen. I, it, there was no it, way that it, was going to happen. He he tried. He if it had his been best Mal, punch. He would have fought back. Well, well, Simon did fight but back. But Simon's not a fighter. Right. And he got his, his his kidneys handed to him on a boot. And uh, after he, he tried, he did fight back. He grabbed something. He tried to knock the guy unconscious. And the guy, who was clearly much bigger and clearly much more violent, incapacitated him to the point where he could not have fought back. No, no real person could have fought back. Kaylee had a different impression. He should have been a fighter. He should have been doing it. I mean, she envisioned him. I, I, all of it. There is there is this sort of perception reality throughout the whole episode that just kind of kind of keeps coming back yeah. time and time again. And oh yeah 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 no I, I I agree with that I agree with that but I think it's it doesn't it doesn't feel contrived it feels to me both inherent in the scenario that we're that, or scenarios that we're being given because there are at least two not totally related subplots in this but also. And I think I think this is partly because Firefly has such strong characters, um, but you know they could be written in a way where it felt like they they were being twisted to fit the story and they were being out of character. And it doesn't in this. It feels to me like, although as you say, some of these things between perception and reality are being set up, they're not being set up by making the characters behave in a way that is atypical or against the kind of direction of their character Agreed. development it feels Agreed. very organic i i no, it it is it's uh you know it, it i'm not criticizing just there are a couple moments when it would hit me i'm like oh yes there's the writer making another point Re- driving well, this point home a different way like particularly the bible sequence which i am well i wanted to ask with. you about that yeah <laughs> what did you what did you think of the bible sequence um well I, I think it was 
I hate to misquote somebody. Uh, I think it was Pendulette that was saying, and he may have been quoting somebody else, that, you know, we need more people to read the Bible because it makes more <laughs> atheists. And, that sounds very Pendulette-y. Uh, and it, it certainly, uh, you know, cemented it for me as a kid. Um, instead of having people tell you what's in it, go read it. And so, you know, River reading the Bible and going, this is just makes no sense whatsoever, uh, particularly to a logical analytical mind, is is absolutely, completely believable <laughs> to me. Yeah. And Shepherd yeah. Book got it right. Book, not Bush. Well done. Gives his gives his argument about, well, we know it's not right. It's the whole point is believing in something. You don't fix but, faith, River. It fixes you. Yeah. Which is the most kind of naff. Yes. Fortune cookie, Christmas cracker nonsense yes. that you could possibly come up with. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And and <laughs> it what it what came to my mind was, well, we've got a we've got a good example of t- there's two kinds. Well, that's that's unfair. False dichotomy. Um, you know, there are the people who are biblical literalists. And, and how you can be a biblical literist, literalist, I do not know. Like, no, every word in it is true. Exactly as it's written in the Kim, King James Version. Because that's obviously the original. And, and, <laughs> um, and, and, that's one, and that's one batch of arguments that you have to work with. But then there's the other end of that. The people like Book, who know it's not right, but it's more important to them to have the, the belief than it is yeah although the, I, and, I'm not, and so i mean it's what it, how contrived is it in your mind to be able to say that the important part here is that whereas it's we know it's wrong the important part is that you believe it's right because believing something that's wrong that's right is faith and faith is important huh <laughs> right and then, then well, there's your it, fortune it's cookie. very it, badly it's expressed i i think it's very badly expressed because my my take would be much more uh, obviously, I am an atheist, so I'm not the best person to make the argument. But it would be along the lines of you can actually learn things from stories. Stories are not true, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but I, I, I thought it was interesting because of the the emphasis that you have put in previous episodes on Mal's attitude towards book. So there's been a there's been a conflict there mm-hmm. in in the sense that he. He seems to have a very negative attitude towards religion, and Book obviously doesn't. Um, and so, and here, we, here we're getting this from a different character who's coming from a very different place um, than than Mal is, um, and a very a very kind of literalist place. And River at this point is becoming a little bit more coherent, but mm-hmm. not entirely coherent, as we see from the Hair episode. Um, but yes, I, I I agree. She you know she makes some good points about things like how you fit five thousand species of mammal in a in a boat. Yeah, I think it was something to do with quantum physics, but that's that's the last refuge of of any pseudoscientist. scientist. <laughs> <laughs> it's quantum. It's definitely quantum. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, I, interesting. And I also think it's very interesting that they did not have Mal in that scene. Yeah. Because he's obviously been the the religion anti religion figures, him and and book, and so here we have it uh, placed in another attitude. I, I'll ask this question. You probably cannot tell me an answer 
without a spoiler, but I'll then I'll throw it out there as a concept. We have been repeatedly we have been repeatedly shown that book has knowledge of stuff that seems very not shepherd like, that seems yeah. a lot more shady. And here we have a scene where I think we are now shown that his belief is genuine. Prior to this, you know, when he came in in the first in on first blush, I said, okay, he's he's a believer. But then when they started showing that he was a bit on the shady side or he had knowledge that was shady on the side, I began to wonder if this was actually a cover story instead of well, those, they, a true. Those aren't. Well, they're not. I see. I see. I see what you're asking. But see what I, I'm going I, at. It's like I'm now not here. Sure I... that they're necessarily mutually exclusive in the sense okay. that well, not all, not all clerics are necessarily averse to doing things that you or I might think are shady things. No, I, I agree. But what I was what I was actually getting at was this is the first time where I I feel like based on his with his guard down. I feel like his guard is down yeah. in this sequence yeah. with River, with a, a, a non-threatening girl that he has, I'm sure, sympathy for and pity for and, and, and empathy for. And put to it, he truly expresses that faith fixes things. And I think we're being told here that faith fixed him. As opposed to have been a shady religious shepherd, I have a feeling that this is penance rather than you know, that he got religion and took this course uh, because of those things that he's done in his path, not not necessarily yeah. having been. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that, that's that's what I get out of this. I, I've I've got my, my fix on Shepherd Book now. The yeah. only thing is, is that he does I'm, seem to be a genuinely nice guy. And so I don't think that came about from his, from his religion because I don't think you can take a generally nasty person, give them religion, and they won't be fundamentally nasty below the surface and i feel like book is not i feel like he is still well i don't know i mean that's what that's what people are supposed to yeah you're supposed find. to have faith in that but i don't yeah i mean people <laughs> going to prison and getting rehabilitated like jonathan aitken or whoever i i mean i think the interesting thing for me in that is the story or setting by book having his guard down which i think is i think is a is an important observation i think i think that is something that is definitely intended and it's emphasized by seeing him with his hair undone because you didn't say down <laughs> well <laughs> but yeah i wanted to say down but it would not actually be correct yeah, yeah. Uh, i mean it, we're in a low gravity situation aren't we i i'm guessing that must be what it is that was uh <laughs> that was impressive <laughs> um i did i did also enjoy the whole river snow on the roof is heavy his brains are in terrible danger kind of stream of nonsense there and and the fact that zoe was kind of sympathetic with her and said if she didn't have things to do then she'd be hiding under the stairs as well yeah she at least got a good line or two um relegated oh, yeah. to mostly not in the episode uh, for yes. the part so um mal is mostly on the sidelines in this episode is really a, it's really about jane um and as you say Jane is the most amoral character we've got. He he's he's got no. <clears throat> All right, I'll 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 phrase the the end game question first. Then should Mal be rethinking having Jane on board, or is has Mal correctly assessed Jane as being one hundred percent unreliable if the circumstances work for him? 
I think I mean, we've talked about it. Clear. But well, there is the there is the scene in our Mrs. Reynolds where they are. It it looks like Mal is recognizing that the worm has turned, as it were, and he does not look surprised. He does. Yes. Yes. Um. Can can you be can you be at a place in your in your assessment of a person where you go? I have 75% confidence that he might betray me if the circumstances were right. And I can work with that because of how useful he is. But Well, except it's more than 75, isn't it? It is now. It should be 100 now. Why now? What's changed? I don't think there's any new information here. You don't... Um, the the well, we confrontation... Know he be- well, go ahead. He betrayed his, par- he betrayed his partner. He, he betrayed... The, well, I think that was new information. Well, but I think that Mal already knew that he that would that's the kind of guy that Jane is. He would be, he would okay. betray someone. So the, so that that in itself should not be a surprise. Okay, then let me let me put this one to you. Um, we have we have you're in a shuttle. Gosh, this reminds me of a Blake Seven episode. Um, <laughs> you're you're in a shuttle and it's got damage and you're not going to escape. And you need to get weight out of the ship. So you throw off everything you can. You take the seats out. You throw off everything you can. The only two things that are left are your partner and the money. And I don't know whether I believe the partner or not when he says, no, you don't. You don't throw your partner. Your partner's the one who's got your back off the ship first. I can totally totally see Jane prior to this episode. I can totally see Jane throwing the money over. I can see lots of people doing this. Throwing the money over, still not making it, then throwing the partner over. But throwing the partner over first and throwing the money over or next is a different <laughs> is a different thing. And I would not trust Jane in either scenario, but I would trust Jane so, less yeah. knowing that he threw mm. the partner over before the money. I'm so, not sure it is that different a thing. I think Stitch's point is that your partner should have your back, which means you don't throw her out even if you've already well, thrown I, out the money. And that I and do that, agree with that. that. But if you're gonna, both going to die, then maybe not. But well, you can kind of be logical about it. But the, but this is not this is not a logical point of view. This is a this this is a. I mean, it has a long-term logic. It's maybe not a short-term logic point of view. There is a long-term benefit in that kind of loyalty. God, this is this is oh, the the kind of moral philosophy that we're having to to delve into here to explain people's actions. The the thing that Stitch says about that your partner being the one that's got your back is a Mal line. That's what Mal would say. Absolutely. It's just Mal wouldn't have turned into a murdering maniac. Or, or would he? I, I mean, four years in a hot box. That's not. May, well, yeah. Or even just Jane throwing him out of a shuttle when he was. Right. It's, this it. is exactly. This is exactly the 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 thing. Mal is watching Mal's future. There he is, but he's taking a he's taking a calculated risk that he thinks that he will be able to stop Jane when that happens. He's not that hubris. He's not. He's not necessarily going. It could well be. It could well be. But then he's taking a lot of calculated risks because he's obviously 
dodging the law, you know, but he has to go about his business so he can't avoid them completely. And he's in a, a Firefly class ship that is on its last legs. And at any moment that could spell, you know, death for the entire crew. So there are a number of ways in which I think he is taking a risk. But most of all, I think there is nothing concealed about Jane's nature. Jane is not ever trying to prove that he is he is actually a Robin Hood character. And the funny thing about it is that something uh, Joss Whedon said on one of the earlier commentaries that he told Adam Baldwin to play Mal. He was basically saying Jane thinks he is the hero, not that he is a a villain and I, and I think that's true and I think it's very it's very telling in this episode when 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 at the end of it, it he he kind of he decides he he decides he is going to actually stop pretending to be Robin Hood because he's only pretending to be Robin Hood because he's enjoying himself so much because of all the attention because of the, of the wine Sex. and everything that and and he says in the end he says there ain't people like that. There's just people like me. And it's a key line because he literally believes that everyone else is like that. He believes Mal is like that, but he probably also believes that Kaylee's like that, that Simon's like that, and our, the rest of them are all just out for themselves. Maybe they conceal it a bit. Maybe he sees himself superior because he's honest about it, but that's what he thinks. I think that's fair, but I, I think... That's also failure to empathize with other people means you can't. It, it is. You, you but can't. It, you can't intuit what their what their motivations are beyond what you would know your own motivations would be. So I mean, he's he's a classic. Uh, I'm not sure what that is. Is that a sociopath? Is that a psychopath? Is that? I mean, no, I don't. No, I, I don't think it. I don't think it is as extreme as that. And I think I think from his point of view, he would be critical of. of you and I discussing it in this way because he would say actually we are just deluding ourselves if we don't realize what our true nature is and the the reason I say it's not it's not an someone like a psychopath or a sociopath is because I have had conversations with people who are on the other because because clearly clearly what you've got with Jane as a as a mercenary is somewhat it's the kind of extreme expression of the free markets right it's a it's a an economic libertarian right wing point of view, and I've talked to people like that, and I've talked I've talked to some very. Uh, I mean, the other thing is is and it, it touches back with what we've been talking about to do with having your moral codes and your religion is that I've talked to people who are the nicest, most empathetic. Well, certainly very empathetic Christian in Christian with both a capital and a small C, but having conversations about, for example, faith with people who say i don't i don't understand how you cope without having faith because if you didn't have the bible to give you your moral framework it would just be a dog eat dog world out there everyone out for themselves like jane is out for himself well then then i think you can have that viewpoint without being a psychopath <clears throat> i i think you can have that viewpoint without being a psychopath yes i don't know that that Jane's case that that's um I'm not sure he's a psychopath I'm not even sure that's the correct diagnosis but in other words I don't think he's I don't think he's a particularly empathetic person that's certainly true 
but I don't think he's a psychopath. What I th- what I think is going on here is a kind of is a very stark presentation of the difference between Jane's point of view, which he hasn't even questioned up to this point, and a more socialist egalitarian idea because the Robin Hood story is all about collectivism and and this comes through in what they in what they plan when they're planning to before when Higgins wants to send in the troops it's because he believes that by acting collectively they are going to overthrow him and that is basically the point of trade unionism and socialism so we're as you say at the end uh, Jane gives his little pre-statue toppling speech about there's only people like me, mm-hmm. right? He has just literally been shown that's not true when the guy leaped in front of the bullet. He's just yes, literally he shown that. It. He doesn't believe it. He says, why would someone do that? He doesn't understand it. He must He must believe that it happened. Well, he be- he, well I guess he believes that it happened, but then all the people he's talking to believed that someone had just dropped money on them and he's totally he he utterly contemptuous they think someone is just going to drop money on you money you could they they could use yeah no one would no one would do that and likewise no one would jump in jump in front of him and take his bullet obviously that's why he's eaten up at the end but it's it's telling to me that jane doesn't even it doesn't even seem to enter a doubt in other words, he's he's saying you know people aren't like that, despite the fact that he's just seen that they are. And but he says it don't make no sense. It don't make no sense. He cannot understand it. He can't see why it happened. And that's yeah. No, I I he 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 cannot. And that's why I think there's a clinical uh, aspect to this. But <clears throat> he's he's not able to process it, even to the point where he said, you know, he says there are. There are just people like me instead of there should be just people like me for his view of the universe's yeah. nature to be. But he doesn't. He says there are. It, it, it's like, well, there's but one less the, it, that's not like that. That's true right now. But um, I, yeah, if he can't understand. And if you can't understand that, then you can't believe that Mal will get you out of trouble. You don't. He can't possibly believe Mal's got his back then right well he that- believes it as long as there is a an interest for mal in in helping him that's that he he's on serenity because it's in his interests to be on serenity it's not it's not just that he's hoping to usurp mal as the captain although obviously he would like to it's also that at, at the present time he's there they're doing crimes that he would not be able to do on his own, and he's getting his share. And what does he think of Mal when he does his his foolish, idealistically noble things? Well, does he does he add that as another data point, just like the kid jumping in front of him to save the bullet and said, "Well, that just doesn't make sense. I don't understand it." It's like, okay, even well, if you just think, think that, even if you just think Mal's stupid, right? <laughs> right? I don't just, think, but I don't think he, I don't think he's necessarily figured out why Mal does the things he he does. He he doesn't think he's stupid. He thinks he's maybe a bit odd because obviously he wouldn't have gone back for for uh, Simon in safe, mm-hmm. and he doesn't he doesn't necessarily understand why Mal would have done that. But on the other hand, it's not like Mal 
because as we've said there is a kind of ambiguity to mal it's and it's not like mal has just done something suicidal in order to rescue them it's it's much more of a gray area than that because apart from anything else we don't believe that mal would do anything suicidal to rescue simon what about shepherd book to rescue shepherd book or would shepherd book do something suicidal would mal do something suicidal to rescue shepherd book i mean he went to the he went to the alliance ship which could have been tantamount to suicide yes it, but again it's it's more it's more of a calculated risk in right. the, in the, in the sense that the odds are kind of unfavorable so probably he shouldn't have done that but it's not like the mother who jumped in front of stitch's bullet was taking a calculated risk Let, let's swap was, book book was the one that got trapped in the last episode or the one before whichever it was and and simon is the one that got shot okay now have made the same decisions uh i don't know i don't know i mean that's the interesting thing you can't quite tell um now technology obviously we've got the whole spacey and that gun still makes that that shotgun thing still made a spacey power-up noise when he yeah cocked the the rifle just making that point um i know there's not much point in being the whatever it is 25th century 26th century if you can't make a spacey cocking noise thinking how um here's here's an example of the the world that they missed i mean yes it's the future and technology's weird so you might have horses along with laser rifles or whatever it happens to be but they all show up at that picture of of jane which i personally think was unrecognizable um picture picture photograph do you not have a phone or a, a, a camera <laughs> or I mean, I mean surely you had to take a picture of that surely somebody would go i need to go back to the ship and get a camera because <laughs> because that would have been that had to go up in like the crew room of of the ship just <laughs> uh, and yet not not a thought to that idea whatsoever they just all stood around and and gaped at it like picture picture even maybe with a nice what filter picture? or something yeah, they needed to take well, a picture. Yeah, I mean, they didn't have a picture. They didn't have a camera, right? No, no. The, you see this pic? You see a statue of Jane in front of you? I can assure you right now that if that if a group of four people walking through a town came across a statue of one of their group, all of them would have their cell phones out taking a picture of that statue. All oh, of yes. them. Yes. <laughs> And, and, and that's because of the ubiquity of cameras on people's... I mean, yes, it's a novelty. You'd want a picture of it anyway. But it just amazed me that they, they walked up and they're all just looking at that like, nobody's going to believe this. It's like, they would believe it if you took a picture. <laughs> Take a picture. No pictures, no prediction of the future, terrible failure of, terrible failure of science fiction future universe. I just, just say. Yeah, but no um, iPhones in 2002. No, yeah. They just... It was another age. It was another. It was age, another age. I know. It's just. It's just weird every time that that something that has come to pass that completely changes the way we we interact is missing when you're watching something that's supposed to be in the future. You're just like, wow, that they are. Uh, they missed. That was a miss. <clears throat> All right. Let's see. Uh, do I have? I think it's interesting. We never knew what the merchandise was that they were picking up. Good point. I mean, I Good agree point. it's irrelevant, or likely yeah. it's irrelevant, but, you know, it, it's, it's not what the plot's about. I wonder if it was mud. You know, we kind of saw the container at the end. The, but, it made me think of Holy Grail. 
There's some lovely mud here, Dennis. <laughs> it's an interesting idea. Um, it, it is an interesting idea. The um, the mud. That's not exactly a mud planet. I think it's just that province or something on that planet. But um, is it really cheaper to use indentured servants? Again, isn't isn't that the isn't that the whole? Uh, I mean, that's the whole conundrum of of industrialization is that it just makes more sense to use machines than it does people. And well, even well, even slave labor yeah. probably is not cheaper than having machinery. It does it does depend on it obviously it depends on the particular circumstances, like what materials are available to make machine. And it's never one or the other. You would obviously still have some people operating the machines, but as the machines became more, more sophisticated, you need fewer people. So there's obviously the, welfare. The economic calculation would be based on that. I mean, right. clearly, from the point from the point of view of production of the story, the important thing is that the labour laws are terrible on this planet, yep. and also that creating a lot of machinery would be difficult within the budget of the episode. Well, it wouldn't. It, it wouldn't make any sense for the. It wouldn't make any sense for the story. Obviously, you have to have no. the downtrodden peasants uh, to to be the recipients of Robin Hood's largesse, but. Um, it just it is one of the things that just feels odd about this universe to me. I you go to a planet where it's a bunch of religious crazies living in the hills, eking out on farms. Okay, you know they they want to get away. They wanna they wanna live their own life. They want to be left alone. And there's not much there subsistence farming. So there's no wealth. There's no wealth being made there. There's just a living being made but on this planet there's clearly wealth being made the magistrate is clearly wealthy and this mud is obviously important in spaceships which are important and i don't know how long he's been doing this or how long these mud mines have been going on but at some point if you're amassing wealth the 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 formula says it's worth bringing in a big digger machine from another planet if it if it if the cost is such that the increase in production will more than cover the cost of the big digger machine from another planet. I, yes, yes. And, and we, we do have to take that into account, but at some point there is a, at some point there's a tipping point where that, that equation must become reality. But you won't necessarily reach it. You won't necessarily, because what it relies on is a big enough increase. I mean, assuming that the, that getting a tip of a digging machine from another planet is relatively expensive, which I guess it would be. I mean, don't know how far away we are, but and it would also have running costs because we don't know what fuel is available on this planet. Though I guess it might be solar powered, but you know, I've, I'm thinking on my feet here. the 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 money that you make out of it might never cover those costs. It's possible. It's possible. Well, we don't know. We, yeah, we, we don't know it is, for it's sure. Entirely, but... It entirely depends on information that we're just not given. But it is difficult to believe. It's not difficult to believe. It is for me. Uh, it is for me to believe that, that at, that at tip, no point the, 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 the tipping point the, is too high, that, that, that human the, labor would tip, always be cheaper. Because it wouldn't have but been... But the tipping point might... All, you, all you've got to believe for this is just the tipping point hasn't been reached. There is, a, there is a tipping point. It might never be reached, but it certainly hasn't been reached yet. We can tell because there isn't a big digging machine. There's just a load of mud slaves. 
It doesn't sound like they're interested in reaching that point either because of the sales pitch of, well, we keep costs low with indentured servitude and lousy working conditions. There's there's the implication there that it's nothing cheaper than indentured servitude, and that's not but you always true. sell you always sell what you've got. You don't go, well, we're not doing it the best way, but we couldn't afford to, to you know, do it whatever is the best way. You make a virtue out of necessity. You can try, yeah. I, I well, you do if you're a salesman. The guy like I say, there are, there are other places in this universe where I can accept the notion that labor is the cheapest thing and and all you need, but it feels like by making this ceramic mud as important as it sounds that you would want to extract as much of it out of the ground as fast as you could and but not at any price. You have the you, the cost Right, it has to make sense. It just this seems like yeah. a thing that would be the kind of thing that would make sense, that would make it, economic sense. Well, it would only sense. make sense in certain circumstances, which would have to be relatively cheap mechanical digging apparatus being available and or the cost of labour going up. Hmm. Well, I, I'm, th- th- this is one of the things that doesn't convince me about this, this setup, anyone. But why would uh, you think those things weren't, weren't holding true? There's no other information given to, given to us except correct. They, there's there's that no other information given. There's no other information given to us except all of the context the viewer brings to the to to watching a show, which the producer has to make uh, make knowledge of when they're making a show when they're telling a story. It's just like if you if if um, <clears throat> if you're uh, writing if you're uh, <laughs> I keep wanting to say Earl de Biggers. That's not right. Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, and you're writing a Sherlock Holmes novel, and you're describing you're describing Sherlock Holmes flat at two twenty one B. It would be very different than a writer who was creating that world today, because the context of the readers would not be expected to understand the 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 things that would be commonplace in a home at that time the the way they deal with coal for example i can't even use an example because the the gas lights because they just simply would take them for granted watching them or reading the book when it was published whereas now you might have to explain what a gas light is to an audience as an example but you don't you don't because but they you do. can read conan you can read conan doyle and it makes it's it's well written. It makes perfect sense. It's you can. It's the, it's the mistake they always make with period stuff, particularly stuff on screen. Is they shove it full of period detail that you just wouldn't bother if you were making a contemporary shows. I mean, you compare the nineteen eighties Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy to the recent film of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, and it's it, it the the film is all full of stuff that only only would have been around in the period whereas in the in the 80s verse there's some of the stuff that is you'd still see now because they don't feel the need to fill the screen with all of that stuff so i i i, I think i think it is it, it is it, a mistake it can be to, overdone. to over over explain well it, it, it yes because it's a mistake it, to over explain but at the same time it's also a mistake to under explain and and that can be done because if if you are trying to for example 
uh, tell a story set in the 1880s about the economic conditions in the 1880s, and you don't give a little context to someone who just will not have any clue that it's not exactly like it is today, then then that fails. And, and they have not given an adequate explanation as to why the technology is all wonky in this universe yet. Why... You know how how but I'm not, I don't how think truly is expensive wonky. is it to make these things? How far do they have to bring them? Why does it? You know, it it there is a there is a reverse I, I, element of slavery here that that says you know one of the arguments in the South was that it's too expensive for us to this doesn't make economic sense for us to move away from a slave based economy, but that was not really the reality of it. That wasn't why they weren't doing it in the first place um, nor, at the time. Nor would the failure of that argument be the reason they should not do it. But I, I, I am absolutely uninterested in some some kind of lengthy explanation of all of the kind of I'd take a economic particulars in this. What I'm interested in is what is what they are, not why they are. So if if, if you want to say to me that uh, mud digging machinery is expensive, that's fine. That's all I need to know for the story. I don't need some detailed explanation of the particular economics that make the materials that are used in mud digging machinery and why it costs such a lot. I'd be happy with a sentence. I would be happy with Simon walking through this thing going, why wouldn't they... Why don't they have machines to do this? That would be... He would be the perfect person to ask that question. And, And for... Well, actually... For him, it kind of might, because he has led a he, he has led a privileged inner planetary life, and probably is fully and f- well versed on the advantages of mechanization and automation and using tools instead of manual slave labor. Maybe, but he's and, also probably quite well versed on economics. Maybe, but it certainly wouldn't be out of place to to ask that question and have even a curt dismissive answer from Mal would have sufficed. Like, it cost more than a thousand years profit to bring in a digging machine to this world. Okay, done. Economics. Problem solved. I'm out of here. I don't need a long, lengthy lecture on economics. It would be interesting to know and it would make the universe more credible. Otherwise, it just feels like one of those ones where the writer throws a bunch of stuff together because I think it'd be cool if we had horses and tanks next to each other. And and you go, okay, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make any sense in context. And that's, that's probably not going to change. This is just the first chance we've seen where we've seen uh, uh, an actual, what appears to be a viable business but going I, on I, here. Everything else we've seen so far, yeah. the only viable businesses are Ruslan and, and criminal enterprises. But this one actually seems like, wow, you've got a resource and you're shipping it and it looks like you're sending it everywhere where they're making spaceships. And this is the kind of infrastructure you build on. It's also the kind of infrastructure that I'm surprised that the Alliance isn't sitting on. Because that's the first thing uh, somebody trying to take control is you, uh, you know, I think we'll set up a base on that planet. Because that's, that's... But I think, we know, I think we know enough to know why the Alliance wouldn't do that, couldn't do that. Why is that? I don't. Because they, they're overstretched. The alliance is the, the alliance is not is not a kind of um, a, a kind of mythical omnipotent force. 
in this story in in the sense that some sometimes you know with partic- particularly with the kind of orwellian um monolithic state type apparatus that you get in these things there is no limit to the resource of the state but that the space that we get in firefly is due to the fact that the alliance is struggling to hold things together after a war which they won but they only just won if you if you like and the outer planets are very difficult for them to keep under control that's why mal and the rest of them are hanging around there it's possible i i i mean i guess we could make the argument that says mal wouldn't have gone to this planet if it was a good enough mud farm uh for the alliance to have taken an interest in yeah so, i mean, I mean the, there might be another planet one the, just one of the very next early episodes that is that is explained the ne- next planet over might have a 75 time better mud farm and the alliance might have said yeah i think we'll set up a garrison there kind of thing yeah um, but mal mal's mal's not there for mud anyway the, but mal is there for the not being alliance troops yeah, all right. I'll, it's, I'll, I'll it's take what makes that it a planet that he's interested in doing whatever business it is he's doing here. Yeah, I'll accept that. I'll accept that. I mean, I, obviously, if the alliance is stretched thin, that's fine. That that makes perfect sense. But when you are stretching yourself thin, you still strategically pick places to put the bits that are stretched thin. And obviously, some of the planets we've seen, nobody would bother with. And then other planets, which but- are have some value like this one apparently does might be a choice for putting one there that that is my point like even if you're but stretched it, thin, not... you still have to you still go well we still have to be in some places where are those but places again, but we, but the, but the uh, what we're definitely within in the alliance is an it, it rather rather than it being either i mean it has totalitarian elements to it undoubtedly but it isn't a command economy type organization so it's not based on value what the alliance is concerned about is rebellion they will put people where they think there is a danger of there being an uprising developing and this ain't one of those places however however well it's doing as a as a mud farm higgins is doing a good enough job keeping the workforce under control up to a point obviously you know, they they weren't expecting Jane to turn up and start sowing the seeds of a new rebellion. Um, and in view of that, it's not the place where you waste a load of troops. Mm. All right. Uh, I don't think that I have anything else. Uh, I suspect you might. Uh, no, I'm pretty much I'm pretty much done. I, 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 um, I liked River's final line to book, just keep walking, preacher man. Um, I wasn't you know getting getting towards the end of the episode i wasn't quite sure whether there was a deliberate double entendre in kaylee's line when she says you like me well enough and we get along and then you get all stiff but <coughs> yeah it seems hard to believe there wasn't and, and there There's was no a, reaction to it no rea- yeah yeah uh i thought that too it's it's kind of hard to <laughs> glad it's not just me yeah it's kind of hard not to to take it that way um so i i'm i'm sure that was Absolutely intentional. Um, I will say this. The episode obviously had a fair amount of humor in it. And, and well, I wouldn't exactly say at Jane's expense, but let's call it at Jane's expense. Yeah. And the incredible and, and, and enjoyable. Um, I, I, I do wonder what the, 
what the Port Authority lockdown is exactly. I mean, I understand what it did. It didn't exactly oh, when they, seem when like they, they landed in a the port. End. You know, it, it, it did seem like they just landed in a field. Um, yes. So I'm not sure how the Port Authority locks a ship down, but it kind of implies there's a lot more ships there. Of course, there would be if they're taking mud off the planet. So, it, I mean, it's not clear whether it is a whether there's some kind of physical or electronic means to lock them down. It's presumably, well, it could be physically, because Fess seems to do it from a distance. Yeah. But it could be that he goes into the computer and removes some automatic physical lock. Or it could be that there is something in all the ship systems that require them to have permission before they take off there's some you know some kind of electronic docking system i haven't i hadn't really thought about it but yeah it's a good question yeah it, it's it seems like it'd be a great thing for a smuggler ship to try to figure out a way to override yeah <laughs> but then that... but then maybe if you could tell that it had been overridden you wouldn't be able to get permission to dock in certain places so yeah it's possible i don't know i mean again we're not not going to delve into that in the technology aspect of it. it's just one of those things like changing transponder codes and and things like it just feels like that's the kind of thing that you would be that that smugglers would have a technique to use i could see if you actually landed at a port landing in the on the bay they could put a boot on your landing gear or something but yeah anyway okay well i think if i'm not mistaken next time we're out of gas we are indeed All right. Well, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure, as always. And listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at FusionPatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.